Hello and welcome to Game On presented by No Tokens Required. I'm Chris. I'm Caleb. And today we will be talking about Assassin's Creed Brotherhood, developed by Ubisoft Montreal, published by Ubisoft. And I will go ahead and start with this one. I remember this coming out year after Assassin's Creed 2, and I was all gung-ho about it. I remember thinking to myself, this is a really cool mm. premise. We are rebuilding the Assassin's order is like the really quick version of that and they were incorporating like teamwork now you can recruit assassins you can send them out to do certain missions you can call them in to help you out in certain scenarios i thought that was a really cool kind of direction to take it not to mention right we're still building on all of the original story especially when it comes to Ezio. so we've watched him become an assassin right train Mm -hmm. how to be one he becomes the leader now he's rebuilding their ranks well i i I say leader but he's not the leader yeah he's he's a full-fledged assassin yeah but he is not a leader in any kind of way shape or form he's still taking orders and i think that was kind of to a certain extent yeah that was kind of like a mixed memory because we'll get into the plot about where he goes and why he does it but yeah Coming in and being like, I need to rebuild the Assassin Order and just kind of figure out where that would go. Not to mention, we ended on a huge cliffhanger in Assassin's Creed 2, right? We, we heard from Minerva, the catastrophe that's going to happen. Desmond is the chosen one and he's going to save us all. <laughs> so yeah, I was pretty stoked when this came out just a year later. I do remember that I was in a transition period in my life. I was moving out of the country. So I really dove headfirst into this game and I played the heck out of it. But I did it, I feel a little Instead too of quick. making friends. Yeah, instead of making friends. Yeah. So I feel like I didn't, I feel like I didn't really give it the time that it deserved because I was really just trying to get through and beat it before I moved. Still, I was excited for it. I had a lot of fun with it. That's the overview. Um, what about you, buddy? Well, you know, honestly, I this is actually one of the few games where I watched gameplay trailers. I did a little <gasps> research. No. I know, right? Like actual gameplay footage. And because Ubisoft at this point in time, they were really showing off they were flexing their gaming muscles, I think. <laughs> look at what we've incorporated, right? Look at what we can do. Look at look at all this this incredible stuff that we've improved upon, right? We improved upon it in Assassin's Creed 2. Now we're taking it to a whole nother level. Right. And unfortunately, I think that actually took them away from some other things. Like you made the statement like you feel like it didn't you didn't give it the time that it deserved. Mm-hmm. What time? This was like a 15 plus hour game. Yeah. Like it was way shorter than the other two. I feel like because they they added a multiplayer aspect yeah. into this game. And again, that's where I felt like they were just kind of like, we're going to flex our, our gaming muscle here. Mm-hmm. We're going to, we're going to show you all these things that we can do. Now, granted, I remember fans asking for a multiplayer game. Yeah. And I just, I didn't, think that it would quite go like this because in it you're not playing assassins well well you, you are, are but you're not you're playing templars you're you're a templar in training like that's what it is it's a templar training simulator yeah in which you're supposed to be put in the mindset of an assassin <laughs> and figuring out all these things and they, they had different game modes like a free-for-all you had um I, I like you know your typicals right right free-for-all team type battles where it was us versus them or us versus all and they did different aspects i didn't like it i i i touched it and yeah. i went this is shit yeah and i backed away but i i remember watching it and my big thing was I was excited to play Ezio again. Mm-hmm. In our previous podcast, I basically go, I loved 
Ezio Auditori. And I loved the fact that we were going to follow him even further onto his journey. And then because of the way that we left the second one, I was actually excited to learn about Desmond and all of that stuff as well. So I, I was excited. They they did add some new things into this one, of course. Like every... This was the time period where I, I feel like this was actually probably the start of the mainstream console games, at least one coming out every year. Yeah, it right? kind of felt like that was the turning point. Was well, they, they were like, this is money. We are printing money, basically. Oh, yeah, because hand over fist, people were buying this. Mm-hmm. But I also remember like when the game came out, a lot of fans had issues with this one because they did incorporate certain things into it that kind of, I don't know, took you out of the feel of the game. Of the, of the standard assassins formula. So I remember there being a lot of like hostility towards it from the fan base mm. because of certain things. Uh, not so much like glitches and stuff, just the way it played. But yeah. building up to it, like I was super excited. This was, you know, this was around the time in my life where I started to pre-order games. Because just like you, <laughs> I was also going through a transition. Mine was a little bit different. <laughs> I was going through a divorce. So... I spent a lot of my time at home just filling that that need with playing video games, yeah. right? Because I, I I've always been a big gamer, but this like that was my comfort zone. Yeah, like, it's your here's escape. The, yeah, here's this hard thing that's going on in my real life. I'm gonna dive into this, and I actually remember being upset because the game was so short. Yeah. I don't feel like there was a lot of collectibles. I don't feel like the maps were very big. I, I feel like the storyline was very rushed. I, I feel like they wanted to focus on other aspects of the game instead of what made the second game so great. To me, this was their misstep. Yeah, I'm, I mean, it's a very valid point. I mean, this just, this just it, for me, it felt like it was, again, one more step away from those really nice, big, open, cinematic, style-esque arenas where you can do these things and again in the second one i felt like they kind of stepped a little farther away from that and in here it was just another step away from it oh and in this one i will fully agree with you in the second one i don't think so yeah we discussed that if you want to really know listen to our podcast about the second game but in this one i fully agree with you where i think they totally took that out because they added a new system in this game and i can't i can't remember what it was called but after you recruit brothers Mm -hmm. right because that's That's the whole point, right? Right. Getting into a little bit of the storyline of the game. Hey guys, just want to give you a heads up. From here on out, there's a ton of spoilers. Listen at your discretion. Basically, you let the Pope live, right, Right. in the last game. Yep. And you return back to, well, I think in this game they start calling it Villa Auditori. Yeah, it's... um, Auditora. Yeah, it's Um, it's where your Uncle Mario... Mario. Mario, where he lived. Yeah, and like, but he basically turns it over to Ezio. Mm -hmm. And shortly after you return, it's not necessarily by will, but by kind of fate. Because the first thing that happens is Machiavelli and Mario, they kind of start getting on you about the fact that you left Pope Alexander VI alive. Yeah. Right. And they're like, that was the dumbest decision you have (laughs) ever made as an assassin. I can't believe we made you one, basically. Or at least that's kind of how I felt. And Ezio was like, well, fuck you. I'm going to go fuck this chick now. (laughs) Because literally, like in the next scene, right? Right. Him and uh, Katharina, which. Katarina. Is it Katarina? Katarina. Whatever. (laughs) Him and her hook up, right? Mm hmm. 
and I want to, like, I feel like they actually start a serious relationship after this, but, like, this just kind of felt like, uh, I'm angry at everybody, let's fuck. Yeah. Kind of hook up. Yeah, it's one of those, <laughs> I'm angry, I'm going to, do, like, do something destructive yeah. kind of thing. The following day, it's New Year's. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, the mansion, right, or the, the town, I should say, like, I always felt like, it wasn't much of a town. It's just this giant fucking house sitting up top of a bunch of little farmhouses. Yeah. Right? But it, it's got its own little city name of uh, Montregoda. That is not even remotely close. Nope. It is not. My Italian sucks. But it starts getting sieged. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Uh, and this is by Cesar Borgia, which, again, this game doing what it does best. Actual historical figure. You're right. He was, a, he was actually an Italian politician which was the inspiration for actually machiavelli's book the prince and the one thing that they do here is he was the illegitimate son of pope alexander Mm -hmm. which is why he has the last name borgia because pope alexander also known as rodrigo borgia was his dad so he carries on the house name now right right he besieges this mansion this this town if you will and in doing so, he himself actually kills your uncle. No. Yeah. And injures the fuck out of you, if I remember. Like, you end up passing out. Uh, and then, I, 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 I thought, I, I, I may be wrong on yeah. this. But one way or another, you end up in Rome. Mm-hmm. Which you know from even the previous game, that is the Templar hotspot. Templars fucking own Rome. Yeah. Hardcore. And because of that, that's when... Like, you you were talking about him becoming a master. That's when he realizes in order to win this war, or Mm -hmm. as far as he he knows, because we later learn, like, the Templar assassin war is literally all around the globe. Yeah. He needs to build up the assassin strength in Rome. Right. So that's when he starts building the Brotherhood. And that's that's what this game's mainly about, is he starts building the Brotherhood in Rome. And he's recruiting people and he's doing all these things and he starts training people and his like sister becomes an assassin and starts running the finances of it and shit like that. That's what I mean by that's where it pulled you more out of that because Mm -hmm. this planned assassination where you gathered intel, you've learned their patterns, you, you know, like in the first one. And in the second one, it wasn't the straight up, I'm going to run straight at you like a fucking bull in a china shop and just shank (laughs) you in the face. This is where I agree with you, where it definitely pulled away from that open world feel of I can do so many different things in the assassination because it mainly focused on that. Like, you got to send brothers out on missions all across Europe Mm -hmm. and... Like, they were bringing in things, and you were upgrading your houses, and you were upgrading this, and you were upgrading that, and you were basically building this this assassin army. Yeah. And in the meantime, you were weakening the Templar order in Rome. And from that, you basically get promoted to a mentor position. Yeah. And then ultimately become the leader of the assassins in Europe. But throughout the whole thing, again, it's like, it's another revenge-based story. Yeah. Not only is Ezio seeking revenge, but so is uh, Cesar Borgia. Mm-hmm. He's seeking revenge. Uh, him and his sister both, I think, are are like a part of this. It, a lot of crazy shit happens <laughs> because Cesar goes to his dad and's like, "Hey, give me the apple. I need it to basically rule over the the assassins. Like they're getting too strong." Mm-hmm. And his dad, already getting his ass whooped twice by Ezio, is kind of like. No, 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 no. We're not going to piss off the assassins. We need to do some stuff, get more power, and then go about this wisely. 
And Caesar is like, yeah, fuck you. I'm going to poison you. No, his dad tries to poison him. That's it. His dad tries to poison him, realizing that Caesar is like, he's not going to stop. He's going to push and push and push and push, push, push. Crazy with power. Yeah, like just fucking a hungry dog. Mm -hmm. So he tries to poison his own son, and Caesar basically sees through it and fucking turns the table and kills his dad. Which then basically makes the new pope, Pope Julius. Um, um, yes. Yeah, Pope Julius II basically go, well, you, you can't assassinate a fucking pope. I can't just, like, stand by and let you do this. So he arrests Caesar. Like, at this point, Ezio has the apple. Oh, God, so much. Like, yeah. I'm all over the fucking place on this one. Because when he attacks, right, Ezio has the apple at the end of the second game. Because mm-hmm. he had the discussion with Minerva, or I should say Desmond has the yeah, discussion Desmond has with it Minerva. Through, yeah, with Minerva through him. Yeah. Um, but he has the apple and he returns. Well, during the siege of his house, Caesar gets the apple and returns it to the Pope. Uh, Alexander the Sixth. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That Pope. Yeah. And well, now we've got two Popes. we got to keep them separate. <laughs> I know. Pope Alexander. That's why he goes back to the Pope to get it, right? Like, mm-hmm. that could have been confusing in the sense of why would he go to the Pope when Ezio supposedly had it from our last podcast, right? Yeah. Ezio loses it. Well, over the next... God it's several years Ezio's mm. building up this army oh yeah like it, it's not a short time span um it's one of the things that they do with the Ezio trilogy his years you you leap oh yeah through his timeline oh yeah because you know in the first one you start off as 16 and this one I think you're in like your mid-20s it's crazy Ezio has the apple and he's using the apple which is not something that you've seen the Assassin Order use mm-hmm. to this point, right? But he's using the Apple to learn locations of shit, check in on people and stuff. It, it kind of remind me of that um, that orb in Lord of the Rings, right? Mm. Where like they could use it to communicate back and forth with each other, but in this one, he was he was using it to locate all sorts of shit. Yeah. So he like he uses it. He retrieves it from Saint Peter's uh, Belisica. I'm just fucking terrible at this. Ezio uses it, uh, and then he uses it to overwhelm Caesar's forces, right? Right. And they gradually withdraw, and Caesar is then finally arrested by Pope Julius II. After Ezio and the assassins basically confront him and, like, kill all of his remaining things, and they're like, ha 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 ha, you've become basically useless now. <laughs> like, his sister... <sighs> His sister doesn't play a big part of it. She's in it. I remember, like, I I, I want to say you kill her. Like, I don't remember a whole lot about this game. I was going to say, I don't even remember the sister being a part of it. Well, because it was, it wasn't, it wasn't a big thing. Yeah. Like, this game, it, it was, it went by so fast and they focused more on game mechanics than they did actual story. Well, the other thing for me, right, aside from the rebuilding of the Assassin Order, the thing about this game that I was really interested in was actually now flipped. I'm actually now more curious about what's going on in Desmond's world. Yeah. Not really what's going on with Ezio. Yeah, it's cool to rebuild it and all the fun mechanics that come with the hiring of the assassins, but the stuff that's going on with Desmond, well, right? We know that this catastrophe is coming. We know that they're on the run, you know. Yeah. Like, that's the part that I'm now into. And I care less about what Ezio's doing. And I, and I, I have to say, I agree with you on that. Yeah. More so because I was really into what Ezio was doing. Mm-hmm. I liked Ezio's story. I liked the historical figures. And as I started playing this, like, I remember being like, holy shit, I'm fighting a Borgia. Oh, my God, it's this Borgia. Mm-hmm. Like, I was so excited about it right off the bat. Right? Yeah. 
And then as the game went on and I'm like, oh, recruit this. Oh, send these guys out on mission. I literally felt like it was a phone game. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm dead serious. I felt like this game you could have played on your freaking Android phone, Apple phone, and it would have been great for that. Right. Right. Because it's one of those. Well, you send your guys out on a mission and then like two hours later you go back and collect their money. Because the mission's completed. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's something you do in a phone game. <laughs> Granted, I like at the time, there weren't a whole lot of phone games like that. But n- now looking back on it, it's, it was more fitting for that kind of style. Right. So it really pulled me out of Ezio's kind of what the fuck is going on with him. Mm-hmm. Which is why I don't remember a whole lot about Ezio's life. But I do know, like, they basically, they take care of him. Caesar breaks out of prison and that he gains... The support of John the Third of Navira, Navarre, whatever. He led a siege of the city of Vienna and Navarre. Then Ezio encounters Caesar on a battlement. They fight. Caesar claims that he cannot be killed by the hand of a mortal man. Basically, like, I am a god now. <laughs> Sorry. It, it's my memory. So, like, Ezio being the smartass that he is. Because he's... Ezio, like, I remember Ezio keeping his personality. He, you still meet up with Leonardo da Vinci. Like, you still get all these things, right? Mm-hmm. Ezio is like, alright, well then fine. Let fate decide. And he basically shoves him off the fucking battlement. <laughs> and he dies. Right? Because you ain't mortal bitch. Yeah. <laughs> is basically the whole thing. And then he takes the apple again. But this time, instead of using it to find stuff, he hides it. He's like, okay, this thing's become way too powerful. It's 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 causing a lot of fucking wars, basically. Right. We need to hide this. So he hides it in the Roman Colosseum, which well, I thought was super cool. You mean it was wait, it was I thought it was underneath it. Uh yeah, it is. Okay. It is. Like okay. a, a vault underneath the Roman Colosseum. Okay. Just wanted to make sure. <laughs> yeah, no, no. no. <laughs> I was it, like, it, wait it, a minute. It's underneath. No, it's in um, uh, it's in the second row, third seat from the right on the west side. That's where it is. Yeah. <laughs> And then that's basically, like, the game. As I said, super short. Like, yeah. I was able to explain that in, what, 15 minutes? No, not even that. <laughs> it, it was crazy. Yeah. Where Desmond's side of the story at this point, to me, was way more interesting. Like, I wasn't into the game mechanics of this. I Zero fucks given. <laughs> I hated the battlement system. I didn't even feel like they improved upon the one-on-one combat that they had created in the second game. Mm -hmm. Like, honest to God, it kind of felt like a filler game to me. Yeah, I remember when you and I have talked about this game in the past, and I remember saying something to you that I felt like this was just a glorified DLC. It was a little too long to be a normal DLC, but I just felt like somebody said, hey, this is something we should do. They come up with a great idea. Let's have Ezio rebuild the Assassin Order. And somebody went, great, that sounds like a really good you know, DLC, we can add this cool mechanic where you like save people and recruit them and maybe you can send them out on missions and call them in to help. And then somebody said, hey, you remember how we didn't kill the Pope in the second one? Let's do something with that. And they concocted this story, which at the time sounded like it could have been a good idea. But again, I mean, we're sitting here oh, like... I think they could have I think they could have done way more with Ezio's story mm-hmm. on this. Like... He literally, at this point in time, right, by the time all of this has happened, he he ascends to de facto, which is basically the leader of the assassin order. But mm. He's called de facto, right? And he makes his sister a full-fledged assassin. And, and then basically, like, that's it. Boom. Yeah. He, like, and I, I agree with you. I think it could have 
But DLCs at the time weren't; they couldn't be that big. No, exactly. I like, like I that said, was the bad part. I'm, I'm, I have a feeling, and without doing any research into it, I have a really strong feeling that it started out as it was going to be a DLC, and then they were like, "This is too it's big a little too long." I, you see, and I don't, I don't think it started off as a DLC. I think it started off as let's make a multiplayer game, possibly. And right? you know what? Because it felt like they put more time in their multiplayer. And that, that actually could be a very good uh, point that you make. Because, yeah, they, they all that time that they could have focused on more story, more gameplay mechanics, longer, you know, just longer game to play. They took a nice chunk of that and went, we're going to shove this all into multiplayer. Which, if you're like me, I'm not huge into multiplayer stuff. So I didn't, like you, I kind of I went in there. I looked around. I was like, oh, cool. You, you pick a skin. And your heart beats when you're close to your target, and then then you stab it, and it's good. But then you have people hunting you, and you all look this. There's like what four or five different skins, yeah. well, five or six maybe different skins. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, there's a whole chunk but, of the game that I didn't play. But like, and you're mixed in with basically dummy NPCs, mm-hmm. right? And you're supposed to try and blend in with them and, and and do what they do and stuff like that, so you don't get called out as an assassin. But like the heartbeat system, you're like, nope, that's that's gonna call me out anyways here i am in this group of people but the bad thing is i remember so if you assassinate the wrong person it basically outs you then you're you you have to run and hide Mm -hmm. it was incredibly clunky incredibly terrible i remember a good chunk of it just being like fucking black and white i didn't (laughs) like the multiplayer and i'm a person who does play multiplayer Mm -hmm. games i'm all for playing a multiplayer game especially if i have people to play with right Mm -hmm. Because I think it makes it, it definitely does make it fun. Like, I do miss the days of couch multiplayer. Because then you're just chilling on a couch with your buddies playing fucking video games. Yeah. This was awful. <laughs> and that's, I think, what pissed me off more. Not only was the multiplayer awful, but so was the storyline. So was the main gameplay. Sorry, I just pounded my fist on the table because, like, I it upsets me. I can't get past it. Right? Mm-hmm. Like... I honestly just felt we want to show you what we can do, but we're not going to make it cohesive. And I guess now would be a good time to kind of bring up at least some of the changes that we did like. So you were talking about it before. The whole premise of this game is that you are rebuilding the Assassin Order and you go and you get these people and you mm-hmm. recruit them into it. And then you you can go into these menus and you can send them off to do missions. There's like a percentage chance that they... Yeah, yeah, can... depending on their level yeah. and stuff like that. And it, when it was they... a weird, again, a phone game system. Yeah, when they, when they successfully do it, it took time, you know, it was like a minute, four minutes, five minutes, something like that. Yeah, and I said hours, but really it, it was just minutes. I mean, and I, maybe even some of the higher difficulty ones could have been hours. I don't you know? know. I can't remember. Um, it was terrible. The, the, and that part was kind of okay, whatever. But the part that I did like was being able to bring them in. But I only liked it 75% of the way, if I got to put a number to it, right? Yeah. Because I liked it for, oh, there's a guy way over there on a rooftop. And I can't don't really have a good path to get to him without being seen. You call in somebody and you can just watch this like, little assassin run across the rooftop. Stab the guy and then run off, and yeah. now that threat is eliminated. And that was the part that I thought was pretty cool about it. No, it, that did, that was cool. Like in the last one, we were talking about courtesans and mm. stuff like that. And this game, you definitely built upon that. Like you relied on it. You hired these people. You built up their factions. You had thugs that walked around, and if you saw a group of thugs next to a group of guards, you could be like, and they would just go and fucking attack this dude because Mm -hmm. you you basically had aligned yourself with all of these i don't want to necessarily say like lower forms of society but they were 
they were on the trenches. They were the people that nobody really looked at. Fucking mercenaries, hookers, thieves, thieves, all of that. And that's where you were recruiting from. Mm-hmm. And based on that, you you did. You taught them how to be assassins. You built up this great order. And those aspects were cool. I still couldn't get past it, man. (laughs) Like, what new weaponry did we get in this? All right. So we got uh, (laughs) the parachute from from Leonardo da Vinci. So you could jump from a tall building. And I remember this. It was basically a diaper. It, yeah, I will say that the skin looked a little weird. Oh, the, yeah. The, yeah. The, it, it looked like... Um, the texturing was weird on it. It literally... But it, it just looked like, you know, like in that scene, uh, the show Family Guy, Stewie's falling and it, it like takes off his diaper and uses <laughs> it as a parachute real fast and lands on the ground and then he re, re-puts the diaper back on. That's what it looked like. Mm-hmm. That's, that's kind of how it was because you had to repackage it or you had to rebuy it after every use repackage yeah you could have like a number of them but yeah, yeah. you have to, it was it was there was an ammo to it you only it was had a consumable. so many yeah, yeah exactly it was a consumable you got poison darts because in the in two you had the poison blade but not yeah. the, in this one you get poison darts didn't you get the hallucination darts as well i don't think that came until three mm. when you got the blowgun okay but i may be wrong so we'll double check that. The ability to throw the heavy weapons. Because yeah. we said in before that you could, in two, you could take it and do like a insta-kill. Because you were talking about the durability. You could hit somebody with it. It yeah, like yeah. sticks in their chest and then you're done using it. But in this one, you could throw them. Hook it. Yeah, which is kind of <laughs> cool. And then, and if I, I, if I was wrong in the other one, and then I meant it in this one, you get a crossbow. Yeah. And the crossbow is really cool because unlike the gun that you get in the second one yeah the crossbow is quiet, quiet. It's, it's a stealth weapon <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's kind of like they realized like oh hey we need to be more stealthy so we're yeah. gonna, we're gonna go backwards <laughs> we're gonna give you this crossbow and no and all of that was cool and everything but i again i just felt like we were rushed yeah like i i, I don't know about you 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 made the statement because of the transition in your life you didn't feel like it gave you you gave it enough time in the day but I, I will say this, man, like, I felt rushed in playing it, but I didn't feel like the game itself was rushing. I just think it was lacking. I think is a good clarification. I, yeah, okay. You know what I'm saying? No, I, I get it. Yeah. I get what you're saying. And I agree. I agree. I felt like it was lacking. Mm-hmm. And because it was lacking, I felt like it was rushed. Yeah. I was rushed. Not that the game itself kind of was like, no, you have to go. 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 Mm-hmm. You have to go. But there wasn't a whole lot to do in between. I don't feel the maps were as big. I don't feel the, the the free flow of the environment was as big. I don't feel like I had as many side missions. I d- there is so much that I felt like taken away, which is kind of why I, I, I can see why the gaming community just didn't tend to like this one as much, at mm-hmm. least the fan base, because it just, it just it, you were right. It just felt lacking. A lot of it was dull. <laughs> I, I okay you know cool i get to send these guys out on missions now it feels tedious because i constantly have to send these guys on missions to level them up and if i get them higher levels then when i call them in to help with the assassination of this guy on the rooftop it does better mm. so now you're making this a thing that i have to do in order to pass certain aspects of the game yeah right to get right. past this certain mission kind of like this isn't fun for me yeah this has now all become very very tedious and i hate tedious things <laughs> like because it's like this isn't 
this isn't the point. Like, right. okay, great. I get it. Ezio has to rebuild this and everything. His rivalry with Caesar Borgia, it's... I think halfway through it, I forgot about it. Like, I really did. Yeah. I, I forgot what the main storyline of the game was. Mm-hmm. Because I was so preoccupied with sending guys out on missions, building up my bases, leveling up these these types of troops, doing mm-hmm. this, doing that. The stu- like, And those, I guess, you could consider to be the side missions, but... Come on. Yeah, it just I, I think this is when we we really started seeing what the future of Assassin's Creed is going to kind of hold because yeah, you're going to see a lot more meandering if that. You you end up doing I don't know. Mm-hmm. It just feels it, it just again, it just that feels like that cohesive storyline meshing between what are we doing in Desmond's timeline versus what are we doing in Ezio's timeline and how are they incorporated? Because in Desmond's timeline, which we haven't really talked about no. yet, there he's not rebuilding anything. So no. then why are we why are, why is this what we're doing in Brotherhood? There was no cohesiveness between yeah. them. Where in the previous two games there was. I agree with you on that. Like that is Desmond needs to learn how to become an assassin. Ezio's learning how to become an assassin. Yeah. Altair is in this conflict between what he's doing and if it's the right thing and Desmond's stuck in this place of do I help these guys out and get my freedom or do I resist and die? Mm-hmm. There's always been a connection between the two different storylines. In this one, it wasn't the case. In this one, it was a fucking seat filler. (laughs) Yeah, well, because, I mean, what is Desmond doing this whole time? All they're doing is they're following through Ezio's memories, trying to figure out where he put the apple. Yeah. What does that have to do with rebuilding the Assassin's Brotherhood? Right? Why not just skip the memory? Again, this is... (laughs) So I've always wondered this, right? That's the... Yeah. But if you remember in the games, the way they develop it and the way they build it is in order to unlock those certain genetic memories, you actually have to play through it so that they they can decode, basically, the next set of memories. Yeah. So in order to do that, you had to play through him rebuilding this but i wish they would have tied that in more with what desmond was doing well isn't that a counter argument to the second one where it starts off when you're literally just being born and then they're like whoops wrong place let's skip forward a little bit why not be like oh hey look you know this is him when his uncle dies let's just kind of and he loses the apple let's skip forward to when he has the apple again i mean i'm just saying you know i I see what you're getting at, mm-hmm. but I think it's different. I, I think it's a, a different thing. There's different emotions involved in those type of things, right? Right. And the purpose was different in the first one. So they could have already decoded and unlocked a lot of Ezio's memories in the second game, right? Mm-hmm. Or the first one of the Ezio trilogy is why I said first one. But by this point in time, their original intent of showing Desmond how to be an assassin and, and basically teaching him through the bleed over effect, they didn't do much more past that. So, like, once Ezio becomes an assassin at the end of the second game, Mm -hmm. they were like, okay, we're done. And then they realized, nope, we're not, because he has an artifact. We didn't see what he did with it. We have no fucking clue what's going on. And we need to know. Because in the part of it, remember, well, I guess you're right. They could have jumped. God, I don't know. I don't fucking (laughs) know. But again, it was ultimately, at the end of the day, I feel like it was a seat filler. So, of course, they had to give you something because I I really remember even in a lot of their gameplay demonstrations and everything like they talked up the multiplayer aspect. You're in a brotherhood. You're gonna do this. You're gonna do this. You're gonna do this. And it it just wasn't that. Now 
Desmond's side, we talked about it in the previous ones, he definitely got way more interesting in the last game. Mm-hmm. Um, and Again, for me, it was the ending of the last game, so I was way more interested in his storyline in this one. And I, I think it held up. In this one, it, I felt like it was more about Desmond than it was about Ezio as far as my interest goes. Yeah, I mean... <sighs> I don't know. I just keep coming back to there's no hand in hand tale, but with the Desmond thing, I mean, okay, let's go back to what is Desmond doing? Like, let's uh, why explain why we look at this and there's no hand in hand between it. That's just it, right? They're back at the ruins of Mario or I guess Ezio's villa. Well, so they they flee from Vidic, right? Mm -hmm. The one dude's name. They're in the van, and that's where they go. They go to Villa Auditorio. Yeah, and then they're there just so they can use it to figure out where the apple is. Right. right? I want to know where they keep fucking finding these Animus machines. <laughs> like, <laughs> everywhere well, we go, there's one magically set up. Oh, And I love how in every installment of this series, they get different and different and different. The first one, in the first one, it's this big giant table you have Huge. to lay in. Yeah. Or lay on, right? Yeah. And then as it goes, it's, well, now it's a little more compact. And then it's a little more compact. And then in the, in the now installments. Now it's travel now, size. Now it's like Google Glass. Yeah. <laughs> We're just going to stick on this visor and you're going to go VR, buddy. But yeah, so they go there and they're just looking for this piece so they can avoid the impending doom of the solar flare that's coming. But again, it doesn't have anything to do with what Ezio's doing. And I feel like it's kind of almost a disservice to just kind of be like, well, and that's the story of of Ezio and what he's doing. Because really what we get to then is we figure out where the Apple of Eden is, right? Because we end up getting the coordinates. And then, you know, everybody goes off and they go to look for it. And then we meet a new character called Juno. Oh, yeah. So. And uh, she is a horrendous bitch. (laughs) Absolutely. So like Minerva, right? Right. She is based off of the Greek goddess Athena. Mm -hmm. But Juno herself is the protector and special counsel of state. She's the daughter of Saturn and the wife of Jupiter. Mm -hmm. So she's basically the one that's going, hey. I'm the little voice in your ear. This is the wise decision. Let's look at this politically, almost, Mm -hmm. right? So when she shows up, that's kind of what she's doing. For the most part, yeah. Yeah. She's... So, okay, so you don't really know that she's a jerk until after you've talked to her for a while. fucking yells. (laughs) But when she shows up, obviously Desmond's the only one who can see her because that's who they're talking to. Yeah, she's straight up talking to Desmond, and you're all walking around. Um, You, Sean... Rebecca and Lucy. And Lucy, yeah. Right? Like, it's the four of you. You're going through the Colosseum runes, basically, to try and get down to the vault. Because, right, you you use all of Ezio's memories to basically locate where it's at. Mm-hmm. And that's where you go. And yeah. while you're going through there is when she's talking to you. Yeah. And she is. She's just talking to you somewhat politely, but it's <laughs> it's very, like, robotic, if yeah. I remember. And it was very kind monotone. Con- and, condescending. Right? Just, uh, you're you're a fucking flea on my horse's ass. Yeah, saying care. something like, you guys are just innocent and stupid and don't know what you're doing. Innocent and ignorant. Oh, is that, is that what she said? I remember her... That's what she said. I remember her because saying I'm something like Because I'm just like, like wow. Yeah. Dick. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's like, okay, jerk, calm down. Um... 
But then as you get closer, the robotic nature and the cadence of her conversation just like fucking goes out the window. And mm. she's like, Rawr! well, I did. I don't know about you, but at this point I was actually, I remember this ending, the ending to this game, especially for Desmond hit me like a freaking ton of bricks on the front of a freight car attached to a freight train all in the stomach. And at this point, when she starts freaking out like this, I remember sweating, cold sweating, oh, being see, like, what the hell is going on? I didn't have any physical reaction like that to mm-hmm. it. I just went, oh, fuck. <laughs> like, this is this is kind of intense. It wasn't until the next step happened yeah. that I, I got sad. I got really, really it, sad. Well, it is sad. I, yeah. I mean, for now. In the moment, it's sad. Because... All of a sudden, right, Desmond grabs the apple. Yeah. And all of a sudden, it's like you lose control of him almost. And well, like, time freezes. Yeah. Everything stops. And, like, the only thing you do, you just start walking towards Lucy, and Juno is freaking out. You know, she's saying that somebody is going, uh, there's, like, an enemy among you or something, and they're they're going, they can't, they, they can't accompany you through where you're going or something like that. So it's, um, it's kind of along the lines of, like, there's... So she explains that Desmond is a descendant mm-hmm. of them, right? Right, that's right. And that because he's a descendant, he has the power to basically negate this catastrophic event. Right, he's the all-important key. But through the rest, of, like the rest of her conversation is basically telling him, don't do it. Yeah. Don't do it. You don't deserve this. We 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 shouldn't have allowed you to become this. We should have basically let you all fucking die. You should have died with us. Yeah. Right? Basically telling him, look at humanity. Look at what you guys have done with it. Don't save these people. But at the very least, there's this woman. And this woman is going to accompany you through this, but she can't. Mm-hmm. Like, if she's allowed to... It's just going to be bad in all ways, shapes, and forms. Yeah, which I took as, oh, maybe Lucy. Because I, I figured it was Lucy, right? They've had the most yeah. connection right now. Oh, yeah. But at th- this point, I man, I loved them together. I, I thought say, they were great. I, I would have been okay to ship them off together. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> and, and yeah, so I'm like, oh, God, why can't Lucy go? Is she going to try to talk Desmond out of saving everybody? Or is she going to become corrupt with power or something? And this whole entire time, you're just moving towards her. And towards her, and keep in mind, you still, you still have the assassins, the hidden blade from when you were escaped, yep. and you fucking stab her in the stomach. I was well, literally, no pun intended. So technically, gut punch. Juno stabs her. Well, because technically. yeah, because at this point, you're Air like, I, you're like, I remember Desmond being like, no, stop, no, why, no, don't, why are you making me do this? And he's trying to fight it, mm-hmm. and you physically see him trying to fight it and juno's just kind of like ah, you can't do shit because i have power over you and yeah you you stab her like straight up in the abdomen Mm -hmm. which i'll be honest where he stabbed her depending on the way things go she may be able to live Mm -hmm. like and everything like that Uh, yeah because i don't remember it like a up stab like it was it it was it was straight through like that's what i remember i remember yeah stomach kidney area maybe or something But at the same time, hit a liver or anything like that. Nick an artery. It, it's done. Yeah. Yeah. There was the, the still the possibility was there, right? Mm-hmm. Like maybe she could survive. Yeah. 
And as soon as he does that, basically time unfreezes and him and Lucy fucking drop to the ground. Yeah, and he's in a coma or something, yeah, yeah, right? He's, like he's, he's knocked the fuck out because shortly after that, as the credits start to roll, mm-hmm. you hear these guys talking about should we throw him back in the animus? And you're just oh shit, they're both alive. Because when it happens, I thought he died. Yeah. I thought Juno killed them both. She was gonna make sure to kill Lucy and like because of you resisting or whatever, you died too. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> that's where I was like <gasps> And then when you hear the voices of, Well, should we throw him back in the animus? I was like, Oh, well maybe he's it, well, he's still alive. But like what the fuck's going on? Because <laughs> boom, credits roll. Yeah. That's where I found more interesting. And like even the villa. The whole thing with Desmond I found incredibly interesting. Because when you're in the villa, you're able to explore around. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember if it's this one or the next one. Below the villa, you actually find a hidden chamber with all of these statues oh, yeah? of these assassins from past. Like a statue of Ezio and these old-timey statues. And some of them are from different places. There's a woman with cobra, and you can tell she's very, like, Middle Eastern. Hmm, interesting. And an Asian one and stuff like that. And then I don't you remember meet... that. Yeah, I, I vaguely remember it. And again, it may not be this game. Mm-hmm. But I just, I remember exploring this because this, part of it was, this is where you learned a little bit more about the assassins. Here are these big named assassins, right? Mm-hmm. And it kind of felt like Europe became the centralized locations for assassins all across that kind of area, Russia, Asia, Middle East, Africa, because you kind of saw all these different things because one of the statues is of this Egyptian woman and the the little plaque underneath it reads she was the first assassin. Hmm. That's kind of cool. But now you know, for the most part, the assassins were originated in Egypt. Mm -hmm. Which, you know, at that time, that was cool. We didn't know that. It was just kind of a random piece of information. Now, later on and throughout other games, you know that's where it happened, (laughs) right? Assassin's Creed Origins is out and literally on the cover, you are a dude standing by a pyramid. Like, (laughs) I don't know how more blatant you can be. Also the name Origins. Well, whatever. (laughs) We'll get there. Um, <laughs> I thought that was super cool. Mm-hmm. And again, you had the emails, you had this communication, you could talk to the people, you were getting more information about yeah. what was going on, what they were doing to prepare. Because you're in 2012. This game takes place in the future. Yeah. And it's basically preparing. You're basically talking about like, we only got a couple of months before the end of the world happens. Yeah. So, um, yeah (laughs) we need to figure out how the fuck we're gonna do this and the whole reason why you're you're at that point in time right because think about it altair Mm -hmm. at the end of him you could have figured out where his apple was Mm -hmm. technically and then you have Ezio, which you end knowing that he has the apple which to you is okay well he has the apple (laughs) but they realize we need this we need an apple We need an apple to show us the location of these vaults so that we can go to one and kind of figure out what the fuck Minerva and Juno mean by, like, we can stop the world. Like, stop this from happening. Mind you, they only know of Minerva because Minerva shows itself to Ezio, which they're all viewing through Desmond's memories. No, very Juno only shows herself to Desmond. In the real world. In the real world. Yeah. Yeah, outside of the Animus. And so the other ones don't even know about Juno yet. Mm-hmm. Like, 
no fucking clue he was having a conversation with her, if I remember, because he doesn't like, um, guys, <laughs> I'm talking to Juno. Should I say something to her? Yeah. Like, I, only, I don't remember him doing that. You know, I remember, I remember them not acknowledging her, but I don't remember if they were acknowledging him. I'll put it that way. Yeah. You know? Like, I remember, I guess I kind of felt, I like, I remember him making statements, mm-hmm. but I... I didn't know if they were statements that he was making out loud or if you were just kind of, it was that third person internal thought monologue type deal that he was doing, you know? So like nobody else was hearing him or if that was an effect from Juno was yeah. like he was talking to her, but I, I, it's a vague memory of that. Right. Mm-hmm. But they don't know about her. No, no. So like you're, you're learning all of these things. Yeah. And I thought that was really cool. You're exploring this house that up until that point, you only knew in Ezio's memories. Mm-hmm. And you're kind of seeing like all these things firsthand and how things changed. And I, I, I was, I thought that was really cool because again, you had all the aspects of an assassin, yeah. the, the parkour, the leaping, mm. the jumping, the, you know, like all of it. And that was the best part of the game to me. Like yeah. really and <laughs> with the exception of the end at the end. Okay. So I don't throw controllers. Uh. I threw my fucking <laughs> controller. Like I was so done, so done because I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Fuck this shit. I'm out. <laughs> You know? Yeah. I didn't even know how to react. Yeah. I was so devastated because I was like, what the fuck? Now, granted, you later learn what the fuck mm-hmm. with Lucy. Because at this point, she was she was just the double agent. She she was a part of the assassin order. She was sent to work for Abstergo Research, mm-hmm. right? Which you kind of find out she had been there for years mm-hmm. until Desmond shows up. Yeah. And then when Desmond shows up, you basically get the feeling like the assassins are like, help him out. Tell him what they like. You need to get the fuck out of there. You need to get him the fuck out of there. And then you end up escaping because when you escape, they're right fucking there. They're right outside the building in their white panel van, which this thing is fucking, that thing's a tank. <laughs> like, I think they have their white panel van for like the next four games once you see it. It's, it's fucking crazy. Like nobody thought, let's blow up the white panel van. Yeah, right. You know, and, um, and that's all you know. And then all of a sudden it's, you can't trust her. She's the fucking devil shanker in the shanker in the abdomen. Yeah. You know, like. And then, what? Yeah, you know what? You can't tell anybody why either. So you're going to pass the fuck out. Yeah. And then, exactly. Right. And then, oh, look, now you're in a coma and you definitely can't tell anybody what we told you. And, you know, you you said it, right? Why you thought that Desmond also died. If Juno doesn't want him to stop the catastrophe, then yeah, why not kill him? Right. I mean, if we're going to look at like, this. If she can take full control yeah, over him, make, let's, him, make him stab himself. Yeah. Like, right in the head. Like, I don't know. I mean, I think it has to. It, 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 like, we kind of touched on it. I hate the whole fate aspect because it kind of takes away free will. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I still feel like he has free will. Yeah. You know, this kind of made me feel like, well, it is his destiny to do this, but he has to choose to do this. Yeah. You know, that's what Juno's speech made me feel. Mm-hmm. And not so much... uh you don't have a fucking choice, man. You're going to end up here. You're going to do this. You're going to save humanity. Well, I was going to say, right? I mean, let's look at the moral and ethical side of it. If you knew... Oh, that, really? <laughs> if you knew... Well, hold on. If you knew that you had the ability to save all of humanity or, on the other side, destroy all of humanity, I mean, I think a good person would choose to save everybody. Why? Define good. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, 
Look at what humanity does to each other. Yeah, but does that mean that the human race should be wiped out? Define good. Uh, well, like, that's, and that's that's where the moral and ethical discussion comes in. Like, this thing could go spiral downhill. Well, that's just it. playing devil's advocate. Like, no, don't yeah. get me wrong. I would totally save fucking everybody. <laughs> like, I don't want to come off like I'm a dick who would let everybody <laughs> die. But we're just playing devil's advocate, right? Right. Like, For every prisoner, just using that, right? For every criminal, there's a child, right? Right. You know, I mean, yeah, the, the the tables are balanced in that kind of aspect. Potentially, right. hopefully, like that—that's what we would love to love to and, have. And again, not even just that. All life on Earth destroyed. All of it. All of it. All the plants. We're, all yeah, the animals. I was about to say we're we're not just talking about the human race yeah. here. Like in this, it is it is the entire. Depending the, uh, on whether you believe in creationism or evolution, right? Right. Like, if you believe in evolution, it square fucking one, baby. Yeah. <laughs> A molten ball of rock and lava. Like that's basically what we were talking about here. That's kind of how they made it feel. Like mm-hmm. it was a world annihilation effect it wasn't oh well if you hide in a cave you can survive this yeah i mean yeah you could probably the people who know about them can go into the vaults but i mean a solar flare destroying everything right the atmosphere is going and this is all in game yeah atmosphere is going a solar flare is coming yeah there are vaults that you can go and hide in but not everybody knows about it you only have a little bit of time if if we're talking about atmosphere going all of that everything trees dying everything dies yeah because once the atmosphere goes and you the trees go you have no more oxygen yeah it's it's done the atmosphere is what helps us hold in our air basically mm-hmm. so even if i'm hiding underground there's no oxygen yeah. <laughs> like, i'm dead unless if it's artificially creating oxygen and able to seal it in this environment mm-hmm. which who knows later on in these games we see some of these vaults and we're kind of like fuck dude these are they're pretty sophisticated yeah like these are these are kind of super high tech maybe that might be possible <laughs> but and again though it states it. Minerva states it. They survived this once before. Mm-hmm. They basically teamed up with the slaves, is yeah. what they created, to survive this and built the vaults to survive a cataclysmic event like this before. So it is kind of conflicting in it. I don't know. For Desmond to be the only one, if Desmond's a descendant, so is his father or potentially mother. Mm-hmm. But from the feeling I get, his mother's dead. So let's say we go with his mother's the descendant. Right. Well, if his mother was the descendant, then yeah, that truly makes Desmond the last descendant. Mm-hmm. Unless if he had a kid, which you don't get the feeling of. Like, you can use some logic here to kind of weed some things out. Yeah. But, like, him being the only one. Are you telling me out of all of these fucking people... Desmond is the only one that's a descendant of these these ancient first civilization gods. Statistically speaking, probably not, but he's the only one who knows anything about it. And he may be the Okay, fair enough. I, <laughs> I was going to say he I mean all of these other descendants, they may they may be descended from people who have left the assassin lifestyle oh, and, yeah. and had nothing to do with this. Well, know nothing uh, again, about this. Statistically speaking, we're talking they could have been Templars, mm-hmm. they could have been assassins, they could have been nobodies. Yeah. Like literally there's a there's a chance for any for one of the in between. But it was interesting. It's a it's a great ending in my mind, despite oh, love- how frustrating it made me. It was one of those even to this day. This game came out in what, two thousand eleven? Nine years later, yeah. I'm still like, motherfucker stabbed her in the gut. I can't like, believe you did this to her. Yeah. And I feel like it's more in this game. I don't feel like in Assassin's Creed 2, you kind of connect with her, just like you kind of connect with her in Assassin's Creed mm-hmm. outside of the Animus. In Assassin's Creed Brotherhood, 
I think you really connect with her. Oh, like yeah. that's where your connection with her really begins. You really start talking to each other about certain things and the cataclysm and all this stuff. And you can see like he actually cares for her and you feel like she actually cares for him. Mm-hmm. And that's where I'm kind of like, well, I, I'm sad now. <laughs> Desmond's going to be alone forever with no little baby Desmond's. Yeah. No little Lucy baby Desmond's. And that's also if he wakes up. <laughs> yeah right because <laughs> they at this point you don't know what the fuck's going on with him mm-hmm. one of the things we didn't go over the reviews if we look at the scores on this thing the critics themselves actually didn't give it too bad but it wasn't as good as the original one so like one up gave it an a minus mm-hmm. but like it's in a cross between an eight and a nine yeah you know you have Eurogamer. Eurogamer fucking loved this game, by the way. <laughs> Europe in general. As I was looking this up, it literally became the fastest selling European title ever. Europe fucking flocked to this thing. <laughs> so Eurogamer, of course, gave it a 10 out of 10. But there's two that gave it a 9. The rest gave it an 8. Way lower scores, in my mind, compared to its predecessor, Assassin's Creed 2. Mm-hmm. And I felt like it was because of some of these new mechanics. The multiplayer didn't feel very flushed out. But yeah, so it, there, there wasn't a whole lot to it. Again, I, I feel like it was a seat filler. Yeah, I think that you know all of these scores happen at the time. And then you know we have the benefit of hindsight that we can look back and... You know, we remember it with what we originally had and then now what what has come after Brotherhood to now. Yeah. I think that's really skewed our perspective because... I, I mean, I would love to have that debate with somebody who, who this may be their favorite Assassin's Creed. I would love Go to, to Europe. Ta- I would lo- <laughs> I love to talk to that person. Yeah, because I, I mean, just remember the fans not receiving it very well either. Yeah, it, it just it, it felt I don't want to say hollow, but it felt just shallow. Like but there I, was some cool new is, stuff, but there just wasn't really a lot. It is one of those. If you want to understand the outside, mm-hmm. you know, outside of the animus type story, you have to play it. You yeah. like you have to go through it and read those things and feel those things. Like it is a title that you have to play. Just know that if you play it, it's gonna be fast. Yeah, <laughs> like, you're you could, gonna you could pro- you could probably do it in a weekend if you tr- if you don't have anything else going on. Literally everything that I have seen has fifteen plus hours. Yeah, which means it's fifteen hours. Plus whatever else you want to dump into it. That's, <laughs> yeah. And that's truly how I feel. I, I think if you wanted to super power through it, mm-hmm. do the bare minimum, you could probably get it in under 12. Which, yeah, that's a not a bad weekend of gameplay. Yeah, I mean... And done and done. It, you know, I mean, it's, you know, COVID 2020. It's not like a lot of people are going what, out what? and doing much anything else. Yeah, so... Don't worry, folks. We are six feet apart. Yeah. The table that we are sitting at is definitely keeping us socially distant. So, yeah, unfortunately, like we were saying, this game felt a little rushed and a little short. And I think this podcast is going to be about the same because, yeah, there just there was a a few new cool gadgets, a few, you know, an, an interesting new mechanic in the whole raising of the assassins and being able to kind of utilize them but again while everything was while it was presented it was maybe a mile wide but an inch deep so but (laughs) i like this by no far in my opinion is the worst assassin's creed game ever if you're if you're really into the desmond story this is a must play you are really really down for that nice transition between 
the the people you play in these games versus the actual Desmond outside world story, you really need to play this one. Agreed. And like I said, you know, you could do it probably in a weekend. So overall, I would say not the worst. Give it a shot. You could probably do it. And that's pretty much my... Uh, No, I I agree with you. I, I, I really do. Like when you made the comment about not the worst, it's a competitor for that title. But I fair there, enough. There's one that pops into my mind that by far I think takes the cake. <laughs> like it's it's pretty bad. We're going to we're, we'll talk about it. Mm-hmm. But it's yeah. You know, hopefully you enjoyed it and until next time, game on. I'm Chris. Oh shit me. <laughs> All right. Let's do this again. There you go. So, yeah, that'll be it for us. Uh, Again, thank you for joining. Hope you enjoyed. I'm Chris. I'm Caleb. And until next time, game Game on. on. Thanks for listening to Game On, presented by No Tokens Required. The opinions expressed in this discussion are those of the hosts and may not reflect the opinion of No Tokens Required. No Tokens Required is not affiliated with the electronic entertainment discussed in this podcast. The properties mentioned in this podcast are the intellectual properties of their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. Game On is an exclusive podcast of No Tokens Required created in 2020. No part of this podcast may be used in any way without written authorization from No Tokens Required.